Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear... Magic Pisces Podcast. Trying so hard to access internal motivation. I'm like trying to crack the code of internal motivation. Um, it's just so hard to stay consistent. And if you look at people who are really successful, there is often an enormous amount of consistency. It's really funny when you have sort of cracked the code of the cracked the code of success. Like, okay, this is what this is what you need to do to become a multimillionaire. And it doesn't have to be something lame. Like you don't need to sell out or anything. You really just need to become the most of yourself that you can be. And so I've been practicing my guitar a lot, playing my guitar a lot, and playing, practicing these songs that I've written a lot and getting much better at playing them. And it's like, oh, you could be very successful if you got a band together and went out on the road and started performing these songs for, in the beginning, a couple people, then maybe hundreds of people, then maybe 50 people, then maybe 100 people, then maybe 500, then maybe 1,000, then maybe a few thousand, then a million, right, or several thousand in the stadium. It really sort of is that simple if the product, if the thing that you have created is good. But then we've just, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of a slacker. I've always just been sort of a slacker, and I'm, I'm working on sort of chiseling away at that belief because I'm not a lazy person. Like I get up in the morning, I do my prayers, I do my kundalini yoga. I, if there's surf, I will go surfing for a couple of hours. Took a lot of work to become good at surfing. Had to commit and dedicate myself. Had to move across the country. I ride my one wheel like a crazy person. One of the greatest inventions of all time, as I've said before, by the way, the one wheel electric skateboard. I will take that thing out at night and ride it 20 miles until the battery's dead and poach golf courses, have been poaching this golf course, and then come home and meditate and or read more. I actually just wrote a book, too. The book is just about done. So maybe I'm not that lazy. Maybe, maybe I'm not that resistant. Maybe I just need to release more Magic Pisces podcast episodes. It's really, for me, it's just like watch some YouTube videos, gather opinions based or gather opinions and make observations of, come up with opinions about and make observations about what I'm watching on YouTube and then hit record on GarageBand and upload the thing on the Magic Pisces podcast. See, I just coached myself. But uh, commitment, it, it's like becoming very, very, very successful is in a lot of ways formulaic. You challenge yourself to be uncomfortable over and over and over again and live in what amounts to almost a perpetual state of discomfort. That's why... Uh, Joe, Joe Rogan, he's always talking about two things he can't go five minutes without talking about are stand-up comedy and do stand-up comedy and get out there and bomb and see what happens and then MMA. Got to do martial arts. I don't do the best impression of Joe Rogan. I've been, by the way, I've been working on my impression of Donald Trump just a little bit. I'll get it in one of these days. I, I used to be really good at impressions. I probably still am. I probably just need to polish up on them a little bit. But it's, it's true. Like, you see Joe Rogan, he's doing, been doing stand-up forever. And then he was on, what was that show? He was on Fear Factor. Like, so he was like a Fear Factor host. Then he was so many things before he became the Joe Rogan podcast. And I, I'm certain that he has practiced interviewing and made himself incredibly uncomfortable in the way he interviews as well, because he's very good at challenging people with often some pretty serious, some pretty serious uh, things. Dr. Carl Malone is one who's coming to mind. He was very, who was the, the inventor of the mRNA technology and who was speaking out pretty seriously about the vaccines, or at least about vaccine mandates. And Joe Rogan did a pretty good job of sort of challenging him at every step along the way, or at a few different steps along the way, maybe not everyone, but he challenged him a lot, I guess is my point. Um, 
I've also seen him, I've seen off, off the subject of um, Joe Rogan, I've seen Jordan Peterson interview people in almost, in almost like a take the other side sort of a way, which was, what was that guy's name? That NBC guy, I think he was NBC, he died, Tim Russert. Tim Russert, he would, his, his um, strategy for, for interviewing people was to gather all the information he possibly could about the guest he was going to interview and the point of view of the guest and then to take the other side. That was his strategy. Now he did this with respect. He was not a disrespectful person, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty compelling strategy. Mine, mine's kind of the opposite. Like when I had my, inter, my podcast, um, my interview podcast, Fascinating Talks, I would, I, looking back, I could just see that I did a lot of just agreeing with when there were, there were a lot of places I could have challenged people, but I didn't because I'm a people pleaser and I want to be liked, even though it might not always seem that way. I, in a lot of ways, I am. I'm also uh, codependent in a lot of ways, meaning I put other people's needs in front of my own and I suffer, which is basically a good working definition of codependency codependency, putting someone else's needs in front of your own and suffering as the result. But so back, back to success, right? You can see people like Jordan Peterson, people like now Russell Brand is sort of emerging as a, almost like a thought leader or a counter-narrativist. And he's doing a pretty darn good job of it, honestly, because no one's going to accuse, I don't think, uh, Russell Brand of being a right-wing nut. And if you were to also listen to, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson, he's conservative, but he's not like a right-wing nut. His arguments are so incredibly thought out um, that I wouldn't categorize him as that. However, a lot of his followers are. On a side note, I just started, I just started watching videos of Andrew Tate. Uh, whatever, I haven't been following the news at all. This Andrew Tate guy, I guess he got, I, I heard he got banned, and then from Twitter or something, and then Elon Musk reinstated him, and then he was uh, accused or arrested for sex crimes against children, or child sex trafficking, or sex trafficking, or something like that. Um, I heard from my friend Greg that the, the followers of Jordan Peterson are kind of friends with the followers of Andrew Tate. And that is, that is frust that's, that's frustrating. That's, I find Jordan Peterson to be one of the most brilliant intellectuals uh, to ever, one of the most brilliant minds to ever exist on planet Earth. You, uh, he's human, he's flawed, he's not perfect, nor does he really claim to be, but he, um, he's, he's just a, a brilliant human being. There's a lot, there's just a tendency uh, for so many people to throw the babies out with the bathwater, and there's a, there's a lot of baby going on there with Peterson. Um, he is, him and, and Tate, a Andrew Tate, are, they're, I, I don't want to say they couldn't be more different. They're just different they're just different phenomenon. They're just not, I, I don't see them as, I, Andrew Tate is the definition of toxic masculinity, or he embodies what it means to be a toxic masculine figure more to, to, to more of a degree than I've ever seen a person do that. You know, he's strong, he's, I guess, smart enough. Um, He's kickboxer. He's manipulative. He's pretend, probably sociopathic. If he's not so, if he's not a, a, an outright psychopath or sociopath, he has a such a deep woundedness um, that that the projections that result from said wound that he's probably not even aware of he has um, are as toxic as in a lot of ways this could possibly be. I mean, he's he's. Um, you know, he's like Hitler bad. I guess he could be construed as Hitler bad. Um, in, in, in what occurs as his power to um, manipulate the minds of people. I've been reading, um, I've been reading just before I jumped on the podcast. The reason I jumped on the podcast was because I was reading The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And the first agreement out of the four 
is to be impeccable with your word. And basically, words are magic. Every word is a spell. That's why they call it spelling. It's spelling. Think about how powerful words are. And you can either use the power of the word, your word, to create white magic or to create black magic. And one of the lowest and most toxic forms of communication ever to exist is gossip, which is like basically talking about bad about ba talking bad about people. Um, I have been known to be quite the gossip over my over the course of my lifetime, and it's something that I'm really committed to not doing anymore. It's incredibly it's just not cool to talk about people who aren't there unless it's necessary and unless the words that you have to say are are um, kind, kind, necessary, and true. Um, so it's not even. It's not even good to necessarily talk about some to say something good about someone in front of another person or to another person rather. So the vice that that is the the vice of gossip is referred to, I believe, as detraction. Detraction is basically when you say something about someone else that's not there that is true in order to bring them down. And I've been following this. I don't know if I've released an episode. Perhaps I did. Perhaps I talked about that in this podcast. But there's this guy, Father, um, what's his name? Father Ripperger. I've been talking about him on the uh, Course of Miracles podcast quite a bit. By the way, tune into the Course of Miracles podcast if you want to know about the Course of Miracles. 70 episodes in 70 days and going strong, about 6,500 downloads. Um, about 115 per episode, which is cool. But he's talking about, there, he talks about, gossiping and the virtue or the vice of detraction, which is talking, basically talking bad about people or gossiping. And so I, I looked up, he, he, in one of his talks, he was talking about there, are, I believe 64 virtues in Catholicism. And so I just Googled like Catholic virtues and I got this master list and there are moral virtues. There are, and then there are like, they're almost like corresponding vices to every virtue. But there are uh, moral virtues, there are justice virtues, there are fortitude virtues, which is the willingness to engage in the, art, or in the, in the arduous, there are temperance virtues, um, and there are, what else? Theological virtues. So, so many different virtues. I'll actually put a, a link to this document that I'm reading off of, reading off of in the show notes, and perhaps you can flip through them yourself. Now, when you listen to this guy, Father Ripperger, he's brilliant. He's actually an exorcist, but he's also, um, I think I actually did talk about him on the Magic Pisces podcast, but oh well, I'm going to talk about him some more. He's very Catholic. He's very like, you know, if you commit this sin, this mortal, there are venial sins and mortal sins, and if you commit a mortal sin, you have to do penance, you know, and sometimes it can be really serious. Like it's actual, this is still, I believe, Catholic doctrine. Like if you commit the, the uh, sin of like adultery, something bad that you have to basically, I think it's just survive on bread and water for six years to pay it back. And the way that you get your punishment doled out is you basically go to, you go to your confession and you're like, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. I had sex with my neighbor's husband. And then he'll be like, okay, well, you're going to have to consist on bread and water, water for the next six years and then you'll be, you'll be saved and then you can go to heaven. Otherwise, you're in purgatory. There's super trippy stuff, this Catholic faith and this whole virtue and vice thing. Um, I had no idea that curiosity is, in fact, a vice. So curiosity, it's very similar to the uh, vice of detraction in the sense that, like, you're seeking to gain information that you don't need to gain. Now, it's not like I don't think this is curiosity in the sense that Albert Einstein was curious. He basically said, I believe at some point, that he's not that smart. He's just really curious. I don't think it's, like, that sort of curiosity. It's like... You know, tell, tell me more about what you know about the neighbor, you know? And that's one of my things. Like, I, I, am, I am a sucker for juicy gossip. And I have this colleague slash good friend of mine uh, who, you know, we're always sending, like, sort of, like, screenshots of, like, this other person who we know's Facebook posts. And 
the posts are douchey. They're super, they're super, they're so douchey. They're very gossip-worthy posts, but it's not a freaking nice thing to do. As coaches, right, we're coaches and they're a coach. Um, if anything, we're going to um, address it, like be a stand for this human being and make a powerful reflection in service of their greatness. That's not, that's not what we're doing. We are gossiping and we are detracting and we are being incredibly viceful. And there are, whether you not believe in heaven or hell or have, whether or not you have to do penance or whatever, basically David Hawkins says, um, you know, do you, did you commit the, did you do the bad thing? Do you feel bad about it? Well, that's good enough. Don't do it again. That's basically it in a nutshell. The Catholics will expand that thing out into the whole, the concept of purgatory. So if you, if you commit a sin, like a, a mortal sin, then, and you don't do the penance, then you will have to um, spend like an eternity in purgatory. And the way that I believe souls are, by, I believe that souls are, freed from purgatory by people praying for them, I think. Um, so, you know, the Catholics tend to, uh, I don't want to say complicated, but it's very serious. There's not a lot of, there's just not a lot of joy going on over there in his speaking. Um, but again, we're not throwing, I don't, I try as hard as I can to not throw the babies out with the bathwater. But I, what I do believe in, however, is karma, right? So karma is law. Karma, it's not like just some like some foofy sounding new agey whatever. It's, it's actual law, and it basically says you reap what you sow, what goes around comes around. I believe God said you reap what you sow in the Bible, so you could argue that there's karma is certainly referred to in the Bible. Jesus, I believe, said something about that. Maybe that's what Jesus who said that. Anyway, um, Jesus was God made flesh, so... Who knows? Um, but all things, like if, if you are using words, if you are using your language in such a way that your words are black magic, that, that toxicity will come back to you. Um, what goes around most definitely comes around. And the closer you get to God, the, the more evolved you become in your spiritual life, the, qu the quicker it happens. You know, once you've seen the light, once you know God is real, like, I don't believe in this, like, judging, condemning God, but I do believe that, you know, the, the universe is infinitely just, or it's perfectly just. So nothing in this universe happens by accident. Now, there have been some horrific things that have happened to some seemingly innocent human beings, but this is according to Hawkins. He refers to this a lot in a lot of, the, in a lot of his talks, and in, so I've read it in a few of his books. Basically, nobody's innocent. So if a child is tortured uh, or killed or, you know, whatever horrible thing has happened to humans over the years, that is, they essentially signed up for that. So they had done something very bad in the past, and so they made an agreement to come live in this life to essentially you know, do penance. So maybe there is some truth to that penance. Maybe, maybe you could just drink, drink the bread and water for six years straight and then avoid being reborn and then, you know, slaughtered in some sort of mass shooting or much worse, much worse things have happened uh, to human beings in this reality. So all that being said, I am trying to be as responsible and as impeccable with my word as I can. I'm trying to be as, uh, as impeccable as possible with my word moving forward. And if you'll recall some of the earlier Magic Pisces episodes that I released, you know, kind of around the pandemic time, there was definitely a little bit of toxicity and projection and, you know, not the best things coming through. Things that I said, such as goddamn Wokians or, uh, you know, I'm not even going to try to repeat it. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do, to source my, um, my, my memory banks for some of the less than impeccable things I said, but I was not responsible. And I realize I've owned up to that on this podcast a few times. But, you know, you reap what you sow. I, I was talking about ivermectin, and I was talking about, which, from what I understand, uh, I have spoken with people who, medical professionals, one doctor in particular that 
prescribes it um, or did prescribe it and still prescribes it on a regular basis. But I was, you know, very much anti-whatever. Um, and then, you know, I'm still... And I was basically saying you, you can take vitamin D and chaga mushrooms. And I heard it from Cliff High, who's schizophrenic and manages that with high doses of psilocybin. I think that's it. He does take high doses of See, I'm trying to be impeccable with my words here. I'm trying not to detract. Um, but, you know, that was the most responsible thing. And then I got COVID, and I still have a little bit of COVID. I still have long COVID has a way of very subtly reminding you that it is still there. So karmic, that could very well be karmic. So I was perhaps, or I was, I'm admitting and owning up to the fact that I was less than impeccable with my use of language. I was less than impeccable with my word and that I cast black magic out into the airwaves and then perhaps there's a relationship between that and the case of COVID. It took me a very long time to kick. I mean, in the, the acute phase of it was, I mean, at least a month, it, probably closer to two. And then it was just like this lingering thing that never seemed to end. And to, 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 to the extent that I didn't even want to do any podcast episodes because I didn't want to have to, like, own up to it more, you know. Now, there's a, a, a Course in Miracles lesson, or not lesson, prayer, that basically says, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all of the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. Now, the Course in Miracles practices this or introduces this very radical sense of forgiveness into the equation. And it's, it basically says, Course in Miracles says that Jesus was, Jesus says in the Course of Miracles that he chose to forgive the Roman soldiers after they beat him and mocked him and nailed him to a cross. He says, they forgive them, Father, they, they know not what they do. And what he says in Course of Miracles is that he was demonstrating under the most uh, heinous circumstances possible that everybody's crazy, everybody's insane, nobody knows what they're doing. And, and it's all, this is according to Course Miracles, Miracles, it's all an illusion. The thought system of the ego, it's all fake, it's not real. It's, it's, the thought system of the ego is ridden with envy and hatred and jealousy and good and bad and all of that. Anything that you can think of that's just really kind of bad, that's sort of like the thought system of the ego. It wants money and sex and to kill people and to beat people up and to see people get killed and to see the people on the other side of the political spectrum die, you know. But um, it, that's, that is the nature of the ego. Now, Hawkins addresses the Course in Miracles relationship to the ego by saying, he kind of counters what Course in Miracles text says by saying that the ego is responsible for our survival. So it's reptilian. It is, in fact, rooted in survival. But without it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't survive. I don't know what we would be without the ego. But perhaps when this lifetime is over, we will go to a land without egos and find out for ourselves. But Jesus, in the Course of Miracles, basically is saying, like, I was demonstrating that Nobody knows what they're doing. And so if the Roman soldiers who killed the Son of God can be forgiven without hesitancy, he just forgives them without hesitancy, then anybody can be forgiven for anything. And it's referred to often in Course in Miracles circles as like uh, quantum forgiveness or radical forgiveness. It's referred to in the Course also as the, the atonement. So the atonement is basically what... The, the, it's the interlocking web of forgiveness is the atonement. And when everyone on this planet has forgiven everyone else, that's when we will return to God. And that's where Miriam Williamson's book, Return to Love, I think that's where the title comes from. 
And so our job, this is, I'm kind of veering into the Course of Miracles stuff now, but the, the job of the miracle worker is to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and to work the Course in Miracles lessons. They are very, very similar to what happens in 12-step work, in particularly steps four through nine, four through 10. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of of the same sort of non-religious, very powerful, uh, very non-religious, very powerful spiritual program or system that is truly does work miracles in the lives of human beings. That being said, it's not like the Course of Miracles condones detraction or condones uh, bad language. Like I've t I talk about this friend of mine who during the pandemic, he was you know going around without a mask and and just. <laughs> Like he's this kind of like jackass, jackass course in miracle student. So he's like, oh, it's not, it's all an illusion. So like, I don't, you know, I don't want to give into people's fear. Like I'm just going to go into. He's a handyman. I'm just going to go into their house without a mask on because I'm not going to feed into the fear. Meanwhile, they're like literally terrified they're going to die, and he doesn't care. He's like, well, it's all an illusion, right? So course in miracles does not condone that either. It puts us at choice, however, to seek higher expressions of what it means to be alive or to choose higher options in the face of everyday life. And that can just be like, you know, you just start to, you really just start to see people as innocent children, or I've probably said this before, but you start to kind of see everyone after a while as just everyone's got Alzheimer's. Nobody is mad at the person at Alzheimer's when they like drop the N word. I think I've talked about her before on this podcast, the, the woman in my old building in Chicago that used to like, she had Alzheimer's and she would just like drop the N word like loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> and nobody, everybody knew she has Alzheimer's. So nobody was like mad at her. And I'm sure she said it in front of black people at some point. But it's sort of like the Course in Miracles will, you will start to see people like that. And it's a really beautiful thing when you sort of pass the tests of the universe. Because you start working Course in Miracles and then people appear in your experience and you want to hate them. I want to hate my old landlord so much. And I, you know, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. They're stuck with themselves. I actually got to move out. They're stuck with themselves. Um, back to the impeccability with, with one's word or being impeccable with your word. Uh, being, there's also, you could be impeccable with your thought life, which is what Course in Miracles essentially helps you to do, is to become impeccable with your thought life and to align your thinking with the thinking of God. And if your, line, your thinking is aligned with the thinking of God, then your words are likely to be an expression of that and are likely to be more impeccable uh, versus less impeccable. Now, we're all humans, so we all need to, um, we all need to offer, grant, our, grant ourselves and one another a little bit of grace because, you know, it's really easy. You could be practicing. Sometimes I'll be on a Course in Miracles rampage and I'm in my morning meditation. I am so close to God. I feel like I could reach out and touch him. And then somebody's taken too long in front of me at the coffee shop and it just goes all, it all goes out the door, right? And, you know, I, I had this, <laughs> I had this instance this week where like I had to figure out something in Excel for one of my clients. One of my, I have this one corporate client that I have to like be really professional with. Like I don't have to be, I don't have to be like a sellout, but you know, there's certain things I have to do like, email communications. I have to communicate by email professionally. And she sent me this spreadsheet and she wanted me to add a couple of columns. I don't know, or add, yeah, add a couple of columns. And I didn't know how to add a column or a row. I know the difference between a column and a row, one's vertical and one's horizontal. And I couldn't do it. And I, I tried two or three things and I watched a video and I just went, I went straight, I went straight to like, fuck this company. I am going to quit. I don't need their fucking money. And I want to blow my head off while I'm at it. Like, that's literally where I went. And so spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. We claim spiritual progress, not spiritual per perfection, as it says in one of the more popular 12-step programs. We claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. 
But I think that it is a, I think it's a really noble aspiration, an honorable aspiration to try to be impeccable uh, with our word. I was talking in my, um, I was talking in my other podcast about, there's this rapper kid named, he's like, he's a gangster rapper. He's like, he looks like he's 10 years old, literally, or 11 or 12 years old. His name is, uh, what's his name? I just looked it up. Anti Demenis. He's from Atlanta. And he's like this kind of, he's kind of like mumble rapping. I don't know if you've listened to mumble rap. It's terrible. He's kind of like not exactly a mumble rapper. I think mumble rap would be, uh, I think this is guy NBA Young, NBA Youngblood or something like that. And it's just like this really just, it's just really not very good at all. But this, this kid, Anti Demenis, Anti Demenis is like, there's something about him. I just like watching his videos. And he says, some really horrific stuff. And those words are casting spells that are, those words put people, the youth of America, under spells. It was like when we were in high school and we, I mean, can you remember where you were the first time you heard NWA? The first time I heard Straight Outta Compton, I was in Craig Kuzma's car. <laughs> driving around to a skate spot. He was a sophomore and I was in eighth grade and we were like going to skate somewhere and Straight Outta Compton came on, the tape, Straight Outta Compton came on and I mean, it's like my life changed, right? But that music, it put spells on people. Like that stuff very much is, there's a lot of black magic that happens as the result of music and there's a lot of black magic obviously that happens as the result of the media. And I'm, I'm all for people expressing, um, I'm all for people talking about what's really going on, right? Because this kid, Anti Demenis, he's authentic. Like, I don't think he's playing the role. I think he's like a real gangster, straight up. And I've, I was talking in my last episode, I believe, or the last couple I've talked about, you know, black culture and gang culture and how fascinating it is to me and rites of patches, patches, rites of passage as they exist in like gang subcultures versus like the rites of passage that I had in like skateboarding culture. It's still just kids trying to prove themselves by putting themselves and putting them, their lives in danger essentially. So I'm all for um, people expressing or sharing about what's really going on, but karmically when they're using language in less than impeccable ways, there could be serious consequences that result and there will be some penance perhaps that will need to be taken on in some way shape or form whether that be in this lifetime or other lifetimes i was watching a video on netflix a while like years ago and it was this there was this guy who they took hospice into prisons and they were basically allowing prisoners to be hospice workers and to change diapers and to take care of the dead. And there was this guy who had committed murders or a murder at least. And he was basically like, I, I need to do this to give, to give back. And so that's something that's could be considered a form of penance. And I think at some point I will be taking on the role of a hospice volunteer. I've really been called to it on numerous occasions um, because I've done some bad shit in my life. I've said some bad things. I've done some horrible things to my parents. I inflicted a lot of punishment on them. I've made the appropriate amends, but um, I don't think I'm ever going to have a kid, so I probably won't get, I won't have to get, I won't get paid back by like some unruly teenager that I would be raising in my 60s. But uh, I could pay that back at, by being a, a hospice volunteer. So... I'm just talking about myself now, so I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thanks again for listening to the Magic Pisces podcast. Talk to you next time. Bye.